Hey family, you're tuning in to the Jimmy Bonds podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Pardon any technical difficulties as we are recording live on the Zoom platform. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Jimmy! Lights, camera, action. Some people thought I quit and I ain't giving satisfaction. From a different era, writing rhymes up on napkins. What you had to say was more important, man, than traffic. Yeah, I'm talking back to speaking of contemporary. What's good, family, and welcome to another episode of Jimmy Bond's Podcast on Philadelphia Radio. This episode is sponsored by Major Flavor Catering. I'm your host, Jimmy Bonds. I'm here with my co-host, Ty T. Wow, what's good, Ty? How you feeling? JB, how you doing, family? I'm doing good, family. I'm doing good. I'm also here with my other co-host, Miss T with the T. What's up, T? How you doing? I'm feeling good, Jimmy. How about you? I'm doing good, Mama. I'm doing good. Family, remember, you can call us with your comments or questions at 844-844-1244. Again, it's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybosspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybosspodcast at gmail.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. Now, family, today we are continuing our Artist Spotlight series that we do on Philadelphia Radio and Jimmy Bond's podcast. And on today's show, I am humbled and thankful for our guest. He has done so much in the game, particularly in the, in, in Philly, but just not in Philly, but worldwide. He's done so much. Um, he's been doing this for over 30 years. Uh, he's been DJing. He's been producing. He's been directing videos. Uh, he's been on several. He's been on several shows. He was the head DJ at uh, Urban Expressions. He was a DJ on Bahamadia's show, which was back in '97. From '97 to '99, was the top-rated show on, in Philadelphia. And he is also, also founder, founder, founder of the Trauma Center and Trauma Center Productions. No other than my man DJ Rocksteady. What's up, bro? How you feeling, man? Thanks, man. Hi, I'm feeling good, Jimmy. Thanks, thanks. How y'all doing? How's everybody doing? Everybody's good, man. Everybody's good. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, I'm humbled. You know, we have had a lot of conversations off air, and I have just been taken back by your wisdom and experience, and I thought it was so fitting that to get you on here to tell to talk about your story, man, because it's full of a lot of richness, and it's full of a lot of things that people don't know about. Um, I watch your documentary, of course. You know, yeah. I did a little research myself. Um, but there's a lot about you that people don't know about, and I really wanted to share that with our audience and our listeners. A lot of times, the, the authentic nature, you know, from the horse's mouth is what I always believe, man. So, you know, I, I really want to get down to, to your story, man. So, you know, to start, let's get yourself an introduction. Let me tell the people who you are, you know, what, you, what you've been doing, that kind of thing, man. Well, everybody knows me as all my friends and family to call me Shep. Then I became DJ Rocksteady when I was in a group called Bad News Crew. We had a the, the uh, group back then, they liked how I cut. So they was like, yo, you rock steady. You DJ rock steady. So I've been riding with that since the late 80s. And, you know, I'm just a, every every extraordinary guy that's from the hood. You know, I do my, I just use a lot of brain power. I, I, I utilize technology, books, wisdom on how to learn how to do things. And basically, where I'm at right now is like, I can't, I can't stop. I can't be stopped, you know? So, you know, I, I, I just love what I do. I'm, I'm shooting a video now for some guys over in Camden that when y'all see this thing hit, it's going to be crazy. It's going to start, it's going it's to be something. So, you know, like I said, I do production, rhyme, and, you know, the list goes on. I ain't even going to that, you know, but 
Sure. Basically, yeah. you know, I just love doing things. I love creating things, whether it's a song, whether it's a beat, whether it's music, whether it's a video. You know, and you know, I just utilize my talents and my wisdom and make it happen. That's real. That's real. Well, you know, one of the things I always wanted was what, what got you started? Like what made you be like, you know what, this is what I want to do, man. Hmm, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, I would say when I was in college in the eighties, I was I went to Penn State University. Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, I was Penn State and um it was kind of hard for me to go there because I had to go like kind of grants and all that kind of stuff and financial aid because my dad supposedly made too much money. <laughs> so I started kind of messing up with college because I couldn't keep up with the credits. <laughs> it was at that moment where I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a DJ. That's what I really want to be. I want to I wanna get paid. I want to not even get paid, but I, I just want to be recognized. For the, I mean, getting paid, I mean, like, yeah, I want to do this for a job. Like, you know, I'd rather do this than be a prep cook at a restaurant. You know what I'm saying? And it was that moment when I got kicked out of college for the not meeting the fulfillment of grants and all that, whatever. And then um, taking on little part-time jobs here and there. I was like, I can't do that. And then it was just like, yo, I'm doing this full-fledged. The goal was to get a record deal at the time because that's – that's what our mind was thinking. Yeah, we got to get a record deal, whatever. But at the same time, I was like, while I'm trying to get a record deal, I'm going to make what I got work for me now. Like, I need money now. And basically, mm -hmm. I just, when it really hit home, when I was, I had a job. I used to work for Red Cross. And basically, I got into an accident. And that kind of, like, messed me up permanently. Like, scarred for life, let's say. Like, I'm, I'm messed up for life from, from that. And, you know, basically, you know, I got a little settlement, da-da-da, from that. And I took the money, flipped that. Started studio, started video production, and that was just like like a rocket ship taking off. And ever since I've been going to the moon, and that's how I've been riding. I had a couple little turbulent bumps. Yeah, peaks and valleys. Yeah, yeah. We going to the moon. You know what I'm saying? Right, and and right. I say that because this has been an uphill climb for my my career, my life. I'm not rich financially, but I'm rich spiritually. Yeah, yeah. And I'm rich. I'm rich in wisdom, and I'm rich in love. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's that's yeah. where I'm at. I love this stuff, you know? When I mean love, like, I make a record, and I don't even care if I sell it. I'm making it because I, I, this is how I feel. This is mm -hmm. the moment, and my creativity, a lot of my creativity comes out of, or all of it basically comes from my heart. Like, I've got songs that I made that it was personal. Yeah. It was some personal stuff. Like, yeah. my main hit that got me worldwide known called Thick Click Emergency that 12 inch record that I made, I printed up in 95. Couldn't give them away. Nobody would buy them records. I, mean, <laughs> I don't want this crap. Get this crap out of here. Who these nuts? <laughs> that's it. That's what we want. Who these, who these clowns? All right, nobody. That's I couldn't sell them. 2013, next thing I know, yo, you got any more of them records? Yo, we want to interview you. And I'm like, what record you talking about? But the lyrics in the song, my, my verse particularly, was some real stuff that happened in my neighborhood. Like I was talking about. What really happened in my neighborhood? I said, check it. Each and every day, I set my foot outside. I watch my back when I'm walking down the street to stay alive. Stick up kids is jacking everybody in the hood. You better pack some heat. But the cops ain't no damn good. To your rescue, you know they won't help you, so it's just best for you to just get to nine. Deal with the crime when it's time. Because I'm going to shoot another brother trying to take my... I was talking about real life stuff. Yeah. yeah and that's man. why people gravitated to that song to the point where they felt... 
what I was saying in the song. Like I'm talking about it's a guy in the song in that verse where he really got shot in front of my house. And I said that in the song. I'm, if you see the video, you'll you'll get the gist of the story. Like we reenacted it or whatever. But yeah. My lyrics was about real life stuff that was going on in my life in my neighborhood. And Ty, I tell you, Ty yeah. was there. Yeah. yeah. Ty was DY yeah. was there. Trust me. Yeah. And I yeah. met him through my original artist who was my art, my MC, and me and him learned his partner, the guy named R Star. Right, yeah. Me and him learned how to DJ together. I used to yeah. go to the R Star crib, cutting with his turntables and stuff. Yeah. All right, yeah. And basically, Star didn't come in hard like Ty, like Ty, them whatever they had going. They made some nice stuff, but when Ty started coming around, it was like we had chemistry. And then yeah. Ty was just—he was there. Ty, out of all the guys who came through the trauma center, Ty was always there in the clutch. Time yeah. we're going to show in York, Pennsylvania. Can you go? All right, yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. He was there. Ty, look, my, my sampler broke, right? Listen, one time, my sampler broke. I had a uh, Kai 7, I still got a Kai 700, racked my sampler. That's what I made all them dope hits on. Still got it, still work. That joint broke on me, right? And I didn't even ask Ty. I ain't say nothing to him. He just, here, man, go get it fixed. Just That's gave him. me some money towards it. That's him, like, man. Even before that, yeah. Ty used to come over my house with a handful of records. Here, man, I was at the store. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, man, let's come on, sit over there. Roll that up real quick. Let's make a song real quick. We're making a song. <laughs> I was, it was like candy. I'm in the candy store. I'm not dying. Sure was, yeah. <laughs> was like Christmas. Like Christmas. Yo, Welcome home. Wait. Yo. Ty would just be loyal, like, like I, unbelievable, you know, and I'm thankful to even, even where he's at right now, I'm thankful and proud because Ty used to just be an MC when he was dealing with me. And then yeah. Ty started getting into making beats. Yeah. Oh, how you do this and that and that and that. And then I yeah. turned yeah. into computers and he making I'm proud of Ty. Real rap. He got yeah. radio shit. Yeah, chef. Yeah, yeah sure. chef. He, he, I mean, he, of course, he, he mentored me over here with his knowledge. You know what I'm saying? He always the quiet one in the corner with all the, with all the information, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, he he used to always come around with, like, little politic knowledge stuff. Like, look, check this DVD out. Look at this. Check this out. And I was like, look, oh, let me see this. And, and then Ty was always in, in that zone, like, oh, hold up. Hey, I, I'm look, I, I'm taking I'm taking Ty one-on-one right now as we speak. He said he's sending me information all the time, like all the time, like so. Well, I'm right. I listen. I, I'm 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 soaking it up. You know what I mean? Because it's just it's just yeah. knowledge to have with you. You know, it's just wisdom. You know, and I'm soaking it up. But yeah, man, he that is that is who he is, bro. That is definitely. Well, believe me, I've learned a lot from. I believe me, I have learned a lot from Ty. Yeah. Just as well, he might say he learned from me. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I got I got a lot of good information and knowledge. From Todd, just from him, like, look, check this out. Yeah. Listen to this. Yeah. Well, even when we creating songs, I'm listening to what he's talking about. I'm like, hold up. I mean, I, I, we call him, we call him Mr. Research on the show. You know, we doing that. No, hold up. Yeah. Okay. I gotta match that. <laughs> <laughs> I still got these DVDs that he got with the nine one one and the uh, tyranny. Yeah. Oh, the tyranny. Ty used to hit me off with some wow. good v VHS tapes, not DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'm showing my yeah. ears now. That's that's hey, love. Jimmy, right can there. I say something though real quick, man? Yeah, bro, go ahead, man. 
he was a single father. And that was my first time ever seeing like a single father, like a single dad. Like he was doing the music, everything he was doing. The one thing that stood out was he was raising his daughter on his own. Right. I'm like, yo, that's like, I had the utmost respect for him from that point. Like, yo, this guy's on his own. I know it can be done, you know? And I pretty much learned a lot from him just by watching him. That's why I always went over. I would just pick his brain because he has so much knowledge and information, not only as a father and a dad, but the music, just like period, you know? So to me, it was like an honor to take him like, dad tapes, records, whatever I can, just to go over there. And like you said, it was like a kid in a candy store. I would just sit back and look at him laugh. And they start going through the records, getting samples. I'm like, boom, there they go. You know what I mean? Doing their thing. Yeah. Well, you know, from the get go, I had the utmost respect for this brother. Number one, he has the knowledge and information. And what I wanted to ask you, Steady, was what was the first machine you used to make your first song? My first machine? Um, yeah. Well, my very ever first beat was made on some Sonic drums. And I got that on tape with our star, uh, when he was called Rob Ski back then, him and Denny, Denny Boy. That was my okay. first ever beat. And then um, after that, I made a beat on Mike Genius equipment, because I was with Mike when he first got his machines. So I was like right there with him. And he's like, oh, you can make a beat. And he showed me, Mike basically showed me the technical ins and outs of the MIDI and how to connect the keyboard to a, a module and all that. So I, Mike, I give Mike all the credit for the technical parts of the learning how to connect different computers and learning MIDI. I got that from Mike. And then from there, I got my own 700, and that's when history was made with Trauma Center, basically. Go ahead. There goes one. What advice would you give somebody if they were trying to do what you do? I would say be dedicated and devoted to what you really trying to do. As far as if you trying to do what I do, you got to have love for it. See, I do it, and I've done it for no money. Like, when I was on Channel 48, mm -hmm. I didn't get paid money. They didn't pay me no money. I didn't get no money to be the D on air DJ every Saturday for Urban Expression. But this is how I got paid, okay? Because I loved it, and the fact that I got to be on TV every weekend. And people saw me live, not, not recorded, live. I got to be on TV. I got to promote all, every music video I shot, whoever I knew, I got to put on there. I got to bring all my friend DJs on the air. Mm -hmm. So, and the last and final thing, I got to put that on my resume if I wanted to go to another MTV, BET, radio, whatever, say, look, yeah, I already did that. Here's my resume. Yeah. So that was my compensation for it. But I didn't do it for that. I did it because it was fun. I had a ball. I taped every episode <laughs> on uh, tape. I got it all on tape every every week when I was on there uh, on VHS and all that. <laughs> so believe me, I, you gotta have the love and passion for what you you gotta love it so much that you can't care about the money. Yeah. I mean, if money you need money to survive. Don't get me wrong, but right. you basically, if you want to do or be like why I am, you gotta have that passion and desire for like okay. I'm doing it just because I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it for yeah, somebody on a record. I'm doing it for recognition. That's the bottom line. For me. I, don't, I don't care about the money. I'm going to make money. Right. I'm going to make money. I, I'm going to make money even while if like in my old state, while I'm trying to get the record deal, I'm going to make my own record deal. And that's basically where I'm at with my, my whole company. I'm so glad that I did. The closest record deal I had was with Itchy Bar Records in 98 
which my cousin DJ Groove, who used to be the Fresh Prince DJ. Really? Yes, really. And we're going to talk about Fresh Prince. I was going to ask you about that beforehand, but you're touching on us. Go ahead. Talk about it. I was going to say, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. But you know what, though? You know what? You know what, DJ Roxanne, I tell you what. We're going to take a quick break because that is something I wanted to ask you about. Um, for all the listeners, because you know, we talked about it off air with something that kind of shocked me, so I want to talk to you about it. Um, okay. and make sure people, you know, I think it's a funny story, so let, let, let's let's get to it. It is a funny family, story, it, it's hilarious. But, family, listen, if you like, if you like what you hear, you want to call us with your comments and questions, call us at 844-844-1244. Again, it's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at Jimmy Bonds Podcast at gmail.com. Again, it's Jimmy Bonds Podcast at gmail.com. It's J I M M Y B O N D S Podcast at gmail.com. It's Jimmy Bonds Podcast at Philadelphia Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Michael from Up This is Jimmy Bonds Podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Welcome back to the Jimmy Bonds Podcast on Philadelphia Radio. We thank you for listening. Remember, family, you can call us at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. And welcome back to Jimmy Bond's podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Um, we are continuing our interview with no other than DJ Rocksteady. It has been a wonderful interview so far, and I want to continue. Um, I had a couple of questions, some particular encounters, some, some particular people, so I wanted to ask him those questions real quick. Um, there was one, we had a conversation when we first started talking, you and I offline. There was one person you mentioned, I thought it was a funny story, and it was Will Smith. And you right. said you had a had an encounter with Will Smith, and then you also told me a story about one of his most famous raps. And I wanted to I wanted to make sure that I, um, all our listeners heard that story because I thought it was funny, thought it was hilarious. Go ahead, bro. Tell tell DJ because I, I, it was hilarious to me, man. My cousin DJ Groove, who at the time I didn't even know he was my cousin, when he was Will Smith's DJ, I didn't. Even, I met him through Will Smith's. Will me and Will were classmates in eleventh grade in Overbrook, and I mean classmates like my roster, his roster was exactly the same except for the name. So we was in every class, everywhere we went. And pretty much, he was, a, you know, he liked the bus. The thing back then was called bus, you know, so they bus, we go, we would go to my cousin Groove's house for their rehearsal and they don't even rehearse, they bus. It's a busing contest. And so, you know, Will, he was good at it and he used to destroy me in class, basically, every, every day. So, and even at the rehearsals, he destroyed me so bad that, um, at the time, Will was in the group called the Hypnotic Three. It was my cousin Groove, the DJ. It was another guy named Mark, Lord Supreme. And then it was another guy named Jamie Fresh. And Will, that made the, you know, there was three MCs. They were dope, too. They had, like, this harmonizing thing. So we are there. I, I got so cool with Groove that I could go over his house without Will, like, waiting for Will to come over there or whatever, you know. So I'm over there. And so one day I'm over there waiting and grooving and like, I felt bad for you, Shep. Hey, Will just destroyed you last time. And, you know, I'm going to tell you a tip. And I'm like, okay. And they like, Will got this rule that you can bust on anything but his girl. So I'm like, well, what's so special about his girl, you know, that you can't bust on her? Because at the time, Will was busting on my mom. 
And my mom committed suicide when I was young. And, you know, I used to be like, that's my off limits. Don't bust on my mom. You understand? That was like, you don't want you to bust on this girl? Don't bust on, don't talk about my mom. Because, you know, people like, that's why your mama, you know, everybody came up with the mama jokes. They like, yeah, you never see this girl? They laughing, blah, blah, blah. So then I finally saw this girl, which she wasn't really ugly. She just had really, really thick glasses. <laughs> and I ran with that. I ran with that to the point where I knew he was going to bust on me. Because his thing, he used to always try to bust on my lips. Chip, you got big lips. I used to get him every now and then with his ears. He was always trying to bust on my lips, in the tube, da 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 So I threw a little dumb bust out there. I'll never forget, it was after, after school in the lunchroom, in the cafeteria. And like sometimes kids who went to Brook, like my cousin them, and they would still come linger around in the cafeteria. So we in the cafeteria, me, Will, and his little squad. So I threw a dumb bus out there because I knew he was going to come back at me. So I was like, that's why your girl, the mascot for Coca-Cola with the binocular lenses. That's <laughs> just, just it, just like that. He got mad, jumped over the counter, grabbed my shirt up, trying to get mad. Let me go. So I hit him, right in the mouth. Okay. And at that point, I'm ready to fight. My cousin Groove and his teammates and all, they jumped in the middle because they knew they stirred some stuff. You know what I mean? They knew it, so they laughing like y'all laughing. <laughs> so that was that time. That was in 11th grade. Then in 12th grade, we had another little incident where he tried to bust on me because I didn't make the honor roll or something like that. And I was mad because I didn't really get to beat him up where I wanted in 11th grade. So I was like, look, man, you got to step outside. Like, you going to go out in the hallway. We're going to rumble now. I'm going to give you a fair chance to fight, fight. Since, you, you know, we ain't really get to fight. I just tag you. And it ended up being the same way. I punched him in the mouth again, and he wouldn't fight. Or well, he claimed I busted his nipple, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, that happens. So time moves on, and then at the end of the year, he didn't – even at that last altercation, he busted on me because I couldn't make the honor roll, but he couldn't pass gym. How you fail gym? You're the best, easiest class in the school. All you got to do is show up. How you fail gym? So watch this. So he, because he failed gym, he couldn't participate in the graduation. So he coming to the rehearsal as a smartass, and, and I just knew something was up. When I saw him walking down the aisle holding this record, which was Girls of the World and Number Trouble, I saw that smirk in his face like he don't even care and whatever, da-da-da. Like he wasn't even supposed to be at the rehearsal, but he was there to show off that he made a record. You know, and then that was Girls of the World in Trouble. Later on, when he did the TV show, everybody in my class of 1986 and in my neighborhood, when they heard that song came out, they automatically associated him writing that about me beating him up in school. The West Philadelphia born and raised on the playgrounds where I spent most of my days. I got into one little fight. They associated that with me. Now, I can't say that or verify that that's the one because he obviously had, I'm going to tell you something. He, put, he got a false story on YouTube about somebody doing something similar, but I, I supposedly had a, a, a school lock in my hand, and I supposed to knock him out. It's on YouTube. And I supposed to got arrested for knocking him out. But here's the part about that, you know he's lying. Because he says after that, I would never do that again, which obviously if – that wasn't me. He obviously did it to somebody before, and I was the second time that this happened to him. So he lied again somewhere on this video. He's still lying. <laughs> Whether he twisting the story up or not, he lying. 
All right, and, and this, and like I said, I didn't come up with that concept. Everybody called me like, "Yo, shut up! You done made a story about you beating them up." And then I finally started at the beginning of the show. I was like, oh, "You know, oh well." And that's that story. I'm just, I'm just saying. And then I, I found out Groove was my cousin. Yeah, then you found out Groove was your cousin. Then I finds out Groove was my cousin after that. After, and I ain't really trying to put this story out there, but there's there's a it, Groove kind of really is the originator of that first album. That's all I'm going to say on that. I got to let Groove tell that story. You understand? Because there's some real undermining stuff going on there that a lot of people don't know that need to be heard as well. Well, and, you know, maybe one day you'll get to have Groove on the show and he'll listen, sell it. DJ Groove, if, you, if you're listening, I love to have you. You know, <laughs> I love to have you on the show. You know what I mean? Like, I love to have him on the show tell that story. Let us know what really happened, you know? That's what I always say. I think it's I think it's really big that we get these stories firsthand. You know what I mean? We get them firsthand from the people that were actually there. And I'm blessed to even, even know that. You know what I mean? Not through a third party. Right. It's not third party. It's not like somebody that, oh, a, a reporter. You know what I mean? If somebody actually was in these actual events happening. And, you know. Well, man, we were cool. Will and I were, listen, even after the altercations, when Will started gaining more, we were still friends. Like, it wasn't like, he hated me. Like, I went to his new, when he birthed, bought his new house, when he got his record deal, it was right off 53rd Street. I was there. I was at his house. So it wasn't like bad blood, like, you know, don't come around me. or It wasn't like that. It was just like he had a smart mouth and I had to punch him in the mouth. That's no, no doubt. No, no doubt. That's all. <laughs> no doubt. He no had doubt, a smart-ass no. mouth. You know how comedians can be? They be busting on you, make you feel emotional, like, boy, and that's how he, he was good at that. He yeah. got so good that his own group felt sympathetic for me, told me a little inside tip, and I used it, made him mad, and then, oh yeah, I, 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 I turned him into that. And got a song after it, technically. Well, you know, <laughs> I've seen Will, I, I actually, last time I saw Will was probably about five years ago, six years ago at Charlie Mack's wedding, and it was, you know, it was all love, you know, he yeah. took my hand. And it wasn't no, oh man, you wake me up, you know, and it wasn't no, you made a song, you know, that yeah. was it. That's history. That's all yeah. I said. Yeah. I, all I can tell you about me, my lifestyle growing up, most people are trying to do what I am. I am hip-hop. Everything about my life is hip-hop. I got yeah. locked up being a DJ. Yeah. DJ in a party. Cops yeah. came raid the party. So everybody under 18 going to jail, you ain't got no idea. I'm over 18, got ideas, still had to go to jail. And the cops kept coming to the party because they talking about the music. Disturbing the peace. I do. I am hip hop. I, I listen. My daddy pulled a gun out on me when I was young. All right, <laughs> talking about I stole his records. The records he gave me. Yeah, he gave me the records, but he was drunk one night. All right, and he forgot. And he's like, "You stole my records." <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, I, they upstairs with the turntable you gave me." So believe me, I'm hip hop. You, you understand? I, I, everything about me, hip hop is in my DNA. Definitely, my whole lifestyle, everything. Like Ty said, with my daughter, and you know, I had to do what I had to do. That was my first child. And yeah. at the same time, I had still dreams and aspirations. So, you know, I just looked. I was like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to take mm -hmm. care of my baby, and mm -hmm. I'm going to still make my music. Mm -hmm. And that's why my daughter is so in tune with me now. She's like 32 now. Yeah, you know, and I'm just thankful and grateful to even, even as I say in my song, get to see my grandkids play outside, you know? Yeah.
Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I definitely understand that. Definitely. You um you talked about somebody earlier. I had a question for you about um Mike Genius. Mm-hmm. And one thing that Mike Genius said in your documentary that I thought that was very interesting. Um, but he talked about marinating. I really wanted to talk to you about that because you know, some people don't understand what that process is or what it means to marinate on the music that you have or what it means to marinate on on creating. You know what I mean? And um, I wanted to talk about that initially because it, there's something else I want to ask you about as far as like your impact on a lot of MCs in the neighborhood <clears throat> from the bottom and, and other places. Talk about talk about what, what Mike James was talking about in terms of marinating. Well, just like a cook, you know, when you making that tiger tape, when you making that steak, if you want it to taste right, you gotta let it marinate. You gotta take it out the night before, put all the vinegars and all the stuff on it, and let it sit. Sit on it for a second. That's what he means. He means when he say marinate, same same metaphor. You gotta like stop rushing into it. Let let it marinate. Meaning like ponder on it, absorb it before you can see a lot of MCs. And I'm going to tell you right now, today's studio is totally different from yesterday's studio. Today's studio, people... All right, come on, let's spit 15 bars on it. Let me write it. <laughs> on the paper. Back then, we was... I didn't go into the studio until I wrote it. I got it in my head. I got it memorized. Now I'm ready to go in my... And trust me, I ain't paid for studio time in a long time because I own my own studios. Right? Yeah. And I got... I've always had a studio, but I got enough sense to know that... And this is from lessons of being in a group, going to a studio in New York with T-La Rock, KRS-One in the other room and paying $95 an hour and like, my group ain't even ready. They don't like the outcome of what we did. So now we got to either pay more money to go back and do it again. No, you got to get it right before you go into the studio. And that's, see, the, today, here's a lesson for the youth today. The studio is for one thing and one thing only, making records. Not to make a song so you put on YouTube, not to make a song to put on SoundCloud. It's to make a record so the song can be played on the radio. Yeah, these venues are now are the platform. But it's to the objective is to make a record for royalties, for you to collect royalties, for you to do show performances, for it to get picked up on Grand Theft Auto. You understand? That's what the whole purpose of going to the studio is. Which means you got to go in there with a plan. You can't go in there winging it. Talking about, all right, come on, let's go in. Here. What are we gonna do? I don't know. Yeah, go in there with a plan, and then you'll 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 make the best of the time. Because trust me, when I even in my own studio, I was on some Mortal Kombat. One I was about time. to say that. I One was time. About to say that, yeah. One take. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy, they had this policy in the studio. It was called Flawless Victory. You go in there, one take on your verse, and be right back out. Flawless <laughs> Victory, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Tell him, Ty. Tell him. Yeah. And we're recording in the bathroom at that time. <laughs> in the bathroom. Who's in the bathroom recording? <laughs> I had a studio in the bathroom. I had a studio booth in a closet. Closet, I a, yeah. I had, I had a studio built in the basement. Yeah, man. And now yeah, I got man. a studio built over a garage, all right? Yeah, man. Which you can probably see some of in the background. Yeah, yeah man. Look, I don't play games, not for my own self, so I, I, I can't. I can't even deal with somebody who don't know what they're doing. 
coming to my studio to the point where, yeah, I can sit up here and be like, oh, yeah, it's $85 an hour. Yeah, charge you hourly. But I, I never was like that. I want you to get in, get out. Yeah. I want you to know what you're doing yeah. and get it done effectively because that's what makes hits and that's what makes records. And that's what makes back then record companies want to sign you that your productivity is there and you understand the essence of a budget knowing that, okay, you got $10,000 to cut these two albums. You need to get in that studio and make these two albums and not have to make me spend more money for you to go back in that studio. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's, that's something I always thought people don't, you know, what you're talking about is what people don't really understand about the, the behind the scenes of, of the work that goes into hearing a song on the radio. You know what I mean? And, 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 and it takes, it takes process. It takes discipline. Um, it takes, you know, coming from being a songwriter myself, I, I don't ever go in the studio without knowing what I'm about to spit. Do you hear me? Like, right. do you hear me? That's the most unprofessional. You look stupid. You look like you're just trying to beat in the studio to smoke and drink and turn on YouTube. That's what you look like. So, you know, the, the professionalism I always feel like is so key for us as, as, as a culture. You know what I mean? Just, just as a culture. And, and even, you know, jumping on that, I noticed that, you know, Philly has a notion that uh, artists don't get along. You know what I mean? That, that it's always like, you know, crabs in the barrel. It's, it's us against, you know, us against them all the time. That's like the philosophy. But I noticed with the, with the trauma center, that was that that was kind of like defied. Um, I, I noticed so many different artists from your documentary that were in, you know, that were talking about how much Shep made me, you know, sit down and write my lyrics from I, all I knew how to do was freestyle. He had me going from freestyle to writing songs, you know what I mean? And and just the the due diligence you had with pushing these artists to becoming songwriters and not just rappers. You know what I mean? And right. and I I always, I always, I, that was something that stood out really like a big star to me. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about that, even dealing with those different personalities you had to deal with. You know, I wanted to talk to you about that. Like, how did you, how did you make that work? How did you make that happen? Well, basically for me, it was, and the truth be told was in the beginning, I wasn't an MC. I was just first a DJ. I was straight DJing and boy, come on, shut right around. Nah, I ain't doing that. I'm just going to DJ. Then I got into making beats. Come on, should I write a rap? No, I, mean, I can't rhyme that. No, let me just make beats, all right? And then I got to a point where I was dealing with a couple artists who, to me, they were they were hot. And had the delivery, had the spit, the ability to freestyle and all that. And to me, they're, uh, they weren't serious in the, in the realm of, all right, look, let's do this for real. They was like playing with it, selling me out a lot of time. So I got frustrated waiting on this guy because he want to do that and this guy, he doing that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So I had one of them. And basically what I did was take from them, like, all right, look, I got to get my my um, my delivery like him. Because I'll never forget um, when I did my first song, which I did that with a guy named Crush. He kind of helped me write it. And then um, when I did it, I let Another friend of mine named Tommy Toosmoo, who's a world-renowned comedian, he heard it and he, like, Shep, it's decent, but you need to work on your delivery. And that, to me, I'm not a person who won't frown to criticism. Like, I take criticism as like, oh, yeah, all right, let me, let me, let me go back to the lab and do something about that. And mm -hmm. to me, I took his criticism and then I learned how to make falsettos with my voice so I could put more impact in when I started rhyming. 
And then from there, it was just like, all right, I got that. When I started writing songs, because I wasn't like some of them. I couldn't do the right off the top of the dome, hit a freestyle off the bat. For me, it was like, I either had got to have like a hook or a concept. Like I got to, all right, look, somebody just got killed down the street in a fire. I got a concept, look, how the song's about fire or something. That would help me make a song faster. And from that, to me, once I started collaborating with other artists, in the beginning, it was like a little, when I heard, all right, you just freestyle and look. Next song, this is what you gotta do. We talking about this, so I need your verse to be talking about. You ain't gotta say exactly what I'm saying, but talk about this. And for me, with my crew back then, I was like, all right, look, this is the topic. You know, uh, obstruction of justice. And once I say that, they knew, all right, look, I gotta talk about something that's got something to do with justice. Mm -hmm. And that was just my rule. If you want to be on a track with me, you got to be in sequence, you know. I, I don't want you just in left part rhyming about any old thing on my song. I want the song to have sense from the beginning to the middle, through the verses and at the end. Mm -hmm. And to me, that anybody can freestyle or rhyme off the top of the dome, which they got mm -hmm. a documentary out about talking about that too. But it takes more work to sit in there and craft a song where you literally got the concept, yeah. you know, and you're taking concepts of the verse and incorporating it into the hook, that's creating a song, you know, unlike just spitting. See, a lot of artists from yesterday and today got this, I got to get this off my chest. I got to get in the booth so I can, like, hear myself on tape. That's what's going on. They want to hear themselves on tape and watch their boys like, yo, you hot, you getting fired. And I understand the concept of, look, you need to create a song almost in a realm just like a drug dealer, right? A drug dealer don't do the drugs he's selling. <laughs> he don't do crack. He don't do heroin. But he know who do. And he gets it to them. Yeah. That's the same sequence with making a song. In other words, you can't always make a song. If you're serious about making a record, yeah. you got to have that mentality. All right, look, I'm not making this song to appease my appetite. I'm making right. this song so a million people can like it and buy it at a dollar. Yeah. So that's what you got you to start thinking in them terms of, all right, if you want to, if and that's just if you want to be a business success, as far as trying to make a record deal. Yeah. Now, if you like me, you just trying to do it just because I love doing it. And what happened is people found out about it. And now I, I can't turn down the demand. You know, I can't not take the money that they want to buy and offer from me. So you know, I got to make sure that I got the demand for them. You understand? Know but at the same time, I love it. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna be doing this. Look, when I'm gone, you gonna see me in the coffin with the keyboard and my hand on the finger, or you know, I'm just in the machine. Put me in front of the turntable or something. Listen, put the headphones on my ear and when I'm in the, in the thing. You understand? Because I'm not. Yeah, my, my arthritis and everything. I'm be on that keyboard, so I, I, I can't bang it no more. Okay. No doubt. That's the love I have for this thing called hip hop and music. And it all started from my pop, Robert Harvey, who. Basically, he used to do like the old school karaoke, play the records, have his friends come over, they drinking. He pull up, pull out the little instruments, and they hitting on the bongos, and they got the maracos and tambourines, and I'm listening to the steps. Now come on down here, son. Playing with, you know, so that's what got me started, period, in music was my father. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. my mom died, and then my dad died later on. You know, I just, I can say that's what I got from my parents, the love and the passion for music. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Now, I think it's important that you, you speak about that because, you know, um, as parents, 
we always want our children to do what we think is best, but you always got to facilitate that dream. And it seemed like your parents made sure that like in some kind of way, your dad particularly made sure that you had some kind of outlet, you know what I mean? To fulfill that, fulfill that dream you had, man. So yeah, bro. Like I really, I'm really digging that. Um, T, you got anything you want to ask? I do. So, cause you are hip hop. What would you tell the artists today? The mumble rappers, I like to say, what would you tell the artists today to like, not necessarily change, but like from your outlook, what would you just say? Hmm, to the mumble rappers, I would say enunciate. Enunciate your words. Okay, enunciate. Okay. I mean, basically, my world, we were big on not just enunciation, but we were big on metaphors. Mm-hmm. We were big on basically what I would call uh, turning your vocals into like an instrument, which means mm-hmm. melodic with your vocals. Mm-hmm. You know, like make your vocals go in time with the beat. Like for example, I'll give you a good example of an artist of that today. Would be um, Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. Kendrick Lamar is a good example of an artist who's melodical with his be lyrical. That's yeah. what we used to call it back in the day. Lyrical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, today's hip hop and artists today. I, I'm not a fan of mumble rap. I'm saying right now, I do not like mumble rap. I, I can't tolerate mumble rap. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I can't do it because they're not even rhyming. It's some singing stuff. It's, it's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's a shame. It, there, isn't, there isn't even no DJing and cutting in that no more. You no, understand? Man. It's not. We don't I, have that. That, no. that, that no. That's, that's, no. Intru- that's instrumental in hip hop. You got to have some slicing, the cutting yeah. on, a, on yeah. a record. Yeah. Even if it's just a, ah, ah, terror, anything. Some scratching, that's what made hip hop. Listen, I got tapes right now that, before we was even sampling, okay? I still got this statement. I'm going to put it on my website, too. Um, where my man, Jake, who you probably saw in the, in the documentary, he had a drum machine. He had all the drum machines, 909, 808, 707. Before anybody had an SB1200, Kai 950 and all that, he had a drum machine. And I had one turntable that my dad gave me, and I was taking it over to his house, and I was cutting to his beat. And that's what sampling came from, from the DJ. And perf- sampling is the DJ perfecting cutting the break. That's what samplers came out for, to make it so you can do a perf- They call it a perfect loop. But we was doing, some of the stuff that the guys were doing later, we can actually still do on the turntables. You understand? And I always tell, and this is advice for anybody call themselves, want to be a dope producer, learn how to DJ. Because being a DJ shows you all the elements of being a good producer. You got cutting, right? With cutting, that's getting your timing, all right? You got blending. That's teaching you to say, all right, look, when you programming the beat or sampling the beat, that's teaching you to say, look, I need a bass line, I need a piano, I need a horn to compile this to make it a song. You understand? Know and that's what those elements of DJing gives you as a producer. That's why DJs are always the best producers, at least when the golden era. I can't say about it later on, because now everybody's a DJ now. And I'm DJ such and such, DJ killer, whatever. But mm-hmm. see, mm-hmm. one thing I about agree. old school is we had what was called analog stuff. You know, where it was the real, real to reels, it was real vinyl. It wasn't all these little devices now where everything is a computer. Yeah, we can use those, but the fact that 
even me being a video editor, I used to edit on tape before Premiere and Final Cut. So those abilities trans transcend right into the digital world. Yeah. You understand? Because yeah. back then it was harder. It was harder back, back then when we was cutting, it was harder than it is now. When it's digital, I was just drag and drop, hit the delete button, undo. You know, back then it's like, you messed up? Oh, we got to start all over from the beginning. Yeah, everybody, yeah. And everybody know you messed up. <laughs> right. That's not, right. back then it was like, Todd, you messed the verse up. All right, we got to start yeah. all over again. All from the beginning, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's how it was. And then they came with the punch-in thing where, all right, yeah. Todd, we're going to punch you in at the end, a star yeah. verse. So listen to, you got to listen to the end of his verse and be on time when I hit that record button. So, But before that, it was like, all right, from the beginning, star verse, his verse, my verse. So with oh, that, yeah, yeah, that was hard back then. Believe <laughs> but you, what, what, did, what did it do, though, Chef? What did it do? Didn't it make you a better artist, though? Didn't it make you better at what you did? You know it what made, I mean? It, it made me a lot better, and it made me sharper because doing it on analog transcended to the digital. Now, digital just made it simpler and more, like, at your fingertips. Yeah. So, like I said, now with digital, them same bloopers or edits is just a, all right, cut and splice, move that piece out, and bring the other piece over. Unlike back then where, all right, we got to start all over again just because Ty messed up on his part <laughs> after the first person. You understand? Right. And that was pain right. in the ass. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. I'm going to tell you a story. There's a song we made called uh, um, I'm Spilling What I'm Feeling. They got me. You got this guy named Wes, Wes Craven, Wes, Wes Craven. Craven. I saw Wes Craven, yeah. And Ty was on that. Me and Ty was cool. Wes was the one that he couldn't write the rhyme. So every time he messed up, he had to do, he did a different verse every time he really started him over again. Every time. Every time. I would him out. <laughs> So you gotta go. I know about that, man. Yeah. I know about those days, man. Oh wow. <laughs> we call well, them days boot camp, man. That, that's boot camp back then, you know? That's when you get in the trenches of it. You really get down to the nitty-gritty of writing your rounds and right, you not not even competing with your boy, but it's more of a camaraderie between it. Like, yo, what you got? All right, let me hear what you got. Like, watch now. I gotta write my rounds better than you, dog. Like, my, my shit gotta be better than you, part my it gotta be much better than yours. Like, that's the way we were. You know what I mean? It's it's but it makes you better, you know. It's like sparring. It's like being right. a boxer. If you want, if you if if you want to be a better boxer, you don't go spar people who are who are worse than you are. You go spar people who are, who are better than you, or just good to make you better. You know what I mean? And and that's what I always feel about like those type of environments are. They breed nothing but but great camaraderie and great music. To be honest with you, because everybody want to be at the top level. You know, everybody want to be better than than the next person. Everybody want. It's it's just. It's just a great way to 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 mold to mold yourself into a, a great MC. To be honest with you, you know. I agree with you. I agree with you. And, and I must add to that because after I learned how to manipulate my voice and technique uh, through rhyming, I mastered my writing abilities with the aid of Tyrone. Because Tyrone helped me with a track called um, the track called um. Leaking ill spills. Leaking ill spills. And yeah. from there, that's when I, 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 I learned how to get really melodic. Because Ty was like, he, his flow was like, 
But the, 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 he had it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I need Half that. Half-Life is crazy. It, it is crazy. Okay, Todd. It, it, it's crazy. No, it's, it's really, yeah, no. T, you don't, you don't even know the half. Like, to be honest, T, you don't know the half. When you this boy, you this boy you looking at, you talk to, you get on the podcast with, like you don't know the half. Like he he will shock you into no belief. You be like, yo, Ty, that's you. Hold on, <laughs> that's you from there. Hold on, hold on. Like I, I have a couple of his joints that I have to be like, let me rewind that back real quick. What did he say? Can we play that again? All right, that's enough. Yeah, I got you. I got you. But no, like, talents, I see. No, he is. I mean, but you know, I mean, let me tell you, real MCs don't wear on their their sleeve. They're real MCs. Real MCs don't run around being like, I'm a rapper, please look at me. You know what I mean? That's not what real MCs or real rappers, especially from the golden era, as I say, that they don't they don't act in that kind of manner. So, you know, like those type of that, those that, that's those are gifts, I say, when you find out something different about somebody you didn't know. You know what I mean? Particularly hidden talents, as they say. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, my, my, my man Ty is definitely, I, I ain't gonna say a jack of all trades, he's really a master of all trades because he, he kind of just. But what, but what Steady didn't tell you was he got the style down pat that I had to stop using it because he sounded better than him saying it. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he really, I was like, yo, I'm like, he got that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, rhymes over flow. Yeah, he had. I'm like, yo. He, that's what I'm saying, man. Point. That's what I'm saying. I like it. But that's yeah. what I did too by going out to the studio. I learned how to do music mainly through DJ Rock Steady. And I was just, I constantly picked his brain. And, you know, Mike Jeans would come through every now and then. I would, like, pick his brain, too. But it was mainly DJ Rocksteady. And I was always on his shoulder. Shit, what's that? Shit, why you doing this? Why you doing that? You know, he'll tell you. I was, I was always picking his brain. Yeah. And, 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 and as you can tell, today, today yeah. you can tell that the, the brain picking paid off. <laughs> you <know? laughs> today you can see that. I'm privileged and honored to see that some wisdom I passed down is being utilized to from time and even other people who I've shown yeah. you know different techniques and how to get you know I, I mean I just love it from that all aspects you know and that's yeah. me I'm a I'm a I'm a pass that down I, I mean to me that's helping me leave my legacy behind you understand yeah. by leaving a little drop with him some of that where you know that way I can still live on forever even through my music and through the knowledge yeah. the wisdom I pass down no doubt man. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> well, family, on that note, we're going we gonna to take a quick break. Listen, listen if you like what you hear, you want to leave your comments or questions, you can call us at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. Family, you listen to Jimmy Bond's podcast at Philadelphia Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Michael from Upper Darby. This is Jimmy's Boss Podcast on Every Day Fair Radio.